That's a blessing. I hope you encouraged with that hymn. While we remain in the zoo today, as we turn the devices on, we're looking in Leviticus. Leviticus. What name do you see in Leviticus? What name of the twelve tribes of Israel, children, do you see in Leviticus? The first four words, first four letters are in Leviticus are L E V I. What's that spell? Levi, that's right. Levi was one of Jacob's twelve sons and he was chosen, his line was chosen for the priesthood. And in Leviticus chapter 11, begins a section of animals and birds and fish that they could and could not eat. And we wonder, how does that apply to us today? We just read together in Deuteronomy chapter 14, parallel passage to Leviticus 11, that speaks about the dietary laws for the Israelites. And if you've read the New Testament a few times, you remember in chapter 10 of the book of Acts, Peter goes up on top of the housetop to take a nap and he... uh, and to pray, and he receives a vision from the Lord of all these unclean beasts that are lifted are let lifted down from heaven in a sheet, and he hears the voice, "Arise and eat." And Peter says, "They're unclean, Lord," and he says, "What I have cleansed, that call not thou common." You find this in chapter uh, 10 of Acts. And then Peter interpreted it finally. He had to be, he had to be shown this three times. He didn't, get, he didn't get it the first and the second times. And it seems like he was still unclear even after the third time. But he says, he finally figures it out the next day when he said to the crowd at Cornelius' house waiting for him, you know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And so you see how the Lord parallels the dietary laws with the Gospel in the book of Acts. So why did the Lord give the Israelites these dietary laws and we're going to consider at least four reasons and I think that the, there may be a combination of all four but particularly they were symbolic the Lord was teaching his people to discern between clean and unclean between a clean and unclean beast a clean or an unclean bird or a clean and an unclean fish and he pointed ahead and he showed Peter later that there needs to be a discernment between 
the lost and the saved. And the fact that the Lord now uh, ended the ceremonial law shows that the Gospel has gone out beyond the Jewish nation to the Gentiles. And so, Leviticus is a book that teaches about holiness. The, the idea of holiness, the word holy or holiness or the verb, found over 70 times in Leviticus. The words that deal with cleanness are found over 70 times in Leviticus. The words dealing with uncleanness are found over 120 times in Leviticus. And perhaps the theme verse in Leviticus is in our chapter 11, in verse 45, which we have in our bulletins this morning, where we read in Leviticus 11.45, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the beasts and the fowl and every living creature that moveth in the waters and of every creature that creepeth upon the earth. Notice verse 47, he's teaching them discernment. He's teaching them to think and to differentiate, to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Now, on the surface, yes, physical things, but he's teaching them on a higher plane, symbolically, that we need to discern in this world between what's clean and what's not clean between that which is holy and that which is not, between sin and righteousness. And so we need to keep that in mind. And not just think, well, he's, he's ended the dietary, the ceremonial laws, they have no use for us today. I hope you don't skip over Leviticus when you read your Bibles. I think you'll be wise to have a Bible that has notes that helps to understand some of these thoughts. But the Lord is... Today, teaching us the difference between sin and righteousness. Between that which pleases God and that which does not. And we need to discern so that we can avoid sin and we can walk in the way of righteousness. That we can be holy as God is holy. And so you have the animals, some of them are not mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 11, found in Leviticus or Deuteronomy 14 that are not found in Leviticus 11. And so it begins, And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the beasts which shall not, which, shall, uh, which ye shall eat among the beasts that are on the earth. And so there's an application here that God teaches His ministers, His teachers, His elders, how to apply His Word to the people. To teach the people the difference between clean and unclean. It is the responsibility of the leaders in the church to help us discern the way of the world and the way of the church. The way of God's kingdom and the way of the world's kingdom. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, as John tells us in 1 John chapter 2. It's the way of the world. How do we know when something's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? It takes discernment, understanding, differentiation from that which is pure and holy. And so, uh, he tells us, just like in Deuteronomy 14, for instance, among the animals, 
that which parts the hoof and is cloven-footed. In other words, it does not have a membrane. And cheweth the cud. It swallows the food, as you know, and then regurgitates it later and enjoys it later. Instead of a, a carnivore, for instance, that chews it up and, and, and it's in its mouth and tastes it and does not have, and I, and I speak as a fool, but a, a ruminant, a, 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 a separate compartment where the food has gone and then they regurgitate it. And so he tells them, look, there needs to be uh, not only the cloven foot, but also the fact that they need to chew the cud. So both things. So they have the cloven foot, they chew the cud. If one has only the cloven foot, as he gave an example, and does not chew the cud, like the camel, for instance, then uh, they are not to be eaten. If an animal uh, has chews the cud but does not have cloven foot, then they are not to be eaten as well, like the swine or the pig, verse 7. And so, then you go to the waters, right? If, you, if, the, if the fish has fins and scales, you know what fins and scales are? Sure you do. They, are not, they, are, they can be eaten, but if they do not have fins and scales, like an eel that burrows in mud and so on, they are not to be eaten. And then you go to the air. And there are certain uh, creatures that are to be eaten and certain are not. And it's very difficult to distinguish why. I think we all can understand why we shouldn't eat a bat. I think a bat is, is a kind of... Uh, um, people just shy away from touching the thing, let alone eating it. I don't know if any of you have eaten a bat burger, but... Very few probably have. They're an interesting creature. God made them. We saw them at the Columbus Zoo at the end of May. There was actually a whole cage of upside-down bats. And I have a picture of it, but I've never seen bats in a zoo before. But that's an example of a flying creature that we're not to eat. Uh, I don't know if you've ever gone out in your backyard at night and you feel something swirling above your head or you feel some air, it's probably a bat. And they're doing a good job at at, uh, removing bugs from the atmosphere. But you don't want them landing in your hair. And then there are also some, uh, actually a fourth category, things like grasshoppers, flies, and so on. And there are some of those that can and can't be eaten. It's not necessarily easy to know why, but for instance, if... a grasshopper, because it has legs as well as wings, but only two legs, as it were, uh, where, where it doesn't swarm in the sense that, like a, a mouse does or something like that. Now, yes, you have, you have that locust plagues, but, but I think it's the idea of the swarming of the, of the rat and the swarming idea of, of the mouse. But nonetheless, the Lord gives, told them which creatures they could eat and which they could not eat. So what is this all about? It's about them being aware of what's above them, what's around them, and what's below them. And that in itself is a helpful understanding. If you look at Leviticus 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, they're all dealing with sin. 
in verse in chapter 16 is the day of atonement how it deals with all the sin that's represented in chapters 11 through 15 chapter 11 is dealing with animals and birds and and uh, insects and so on that we might say teaches us the existence of sin it's all around us sin is all around us chapter 12 is dealing with childbirth and so it's not so much dealing with sin all around us, sin's existence, but sin's transmission. Just by bearing a child, a woman would be unclean. Not be, not, it's not saying anything negative about the joy of having a child born. But the Lord is teaching us that the fall of man, that sin is transmitted from Adam. And when a, a like David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. And so in chapter 12, the Lord is teaching us not so much the existence of sin, but the fact that sin is transmitted to the human race through, uh, through uh, child-bearing. Chapters 13 and 14 deal with leprosy in particular. We would speak about, it speaks about the pollution, the vileness of sin. And then chapter 15, you have bodily fluids and so on, speaking about, uh, perhaps we might say, original sin and its effects. And so you have just the idea of sin's existence, sin's history, sin's transmission, sin's vileness, sin's uh, just, just everything about sin in chapters 11 to 15. But thank the Lord, in 16 you have the Day of Atonement. How sin in all of its, from its beginning to its very existence now, is dealt with by the blood of, of the Lamb. And picturing the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you have zoology. You have a zoo, virtual zoo given to us in chapter 11. And again, I say that we can probably only identify about 40% of the creature's as far as they're parallel today. But what is, what is stressed is sins all around you. Distinguish between the right and the wrong, between what's holy and what's not holy. Can you, at all, can you discern when you're walking any day, every day of your life, do you discern, is that, that thing I just saw on the billboard, that thing I just read, is that good or is that evil? The, the, the words that are coming out of that person's mouth, is it pure or is it impure? The doctrine that's being taught by that preacher on the radio or on the television, is it true or is it untrue? The venue that you're uh, invited to, is it a good or is it a, an unhealthy venue? The Lord was teaching His people as they lived, look out! You touch a dead body, you're unclean till the evening. You can't bring your offering. And there were times they were unclean for a week. A woman who bore children was, was unclean for weeks. And it wasn't saying to them, don't bear children. But remember, we're in a fallen world. That Adam, our forefather, fell. That we need a Savior. And it was all pointing to the Day of Atonement. The blood of the Lamb. 
And John would say, you remember, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And a Jew who knew his Bible knew he was looking back to the Day of Atonement, the lambs. <coughs> now there are at least four explanations of why, the, you know, why these particular creatures were clean or unclean. And it may be a combination of all four. The first reason is just simply only known to God. So we would call it maybe arbitrary. It's not arbitrary to Him. But He has the right as a sovereign God to say, okay, I want you to eat those that chew the cud and, and, and uh, those that, that have a cleft foot. And I don't want you to eat the others. You may eat, you may eat the grasshopper, but you can't eat the mouse. It could just simply be known to God and in His sovereignty. He tells us to do something or not to do something. Just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. He said, don't eat from that. That's all it meant. It doesn't mean that there was something bad about the tree. That, you know, There was something ugly about it. There was something poisonous about it. Just in His sovereignty, He says, don't do it. Just like, you know, he told Moses, for instance, I want you to speak to the rock. Don't strike it. He struck it. Now water came out. But Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land. You say, why did water come out if he wasn't supposed God tells us sometimes we disobey him and the Immediate results may be positive, but the ultimate results aren't. Jonah ran from God when God told him to go to Nineveh to preach. And he just so happened to find a boat that was going in the direction he wanted to go away from God. It seemed like the Lord was paving the way for his disobedience, as if he was being blessed for his disobedience. He finds a boat, that, and they didn't go every day. Those boats, not like unlike our airplane, now even our airplane industry isn't very predictable anymore. But you can find a, a, a plane ride, to, a plane going out of Buffalo to Florida probably three or four or five times a day. But it wasn't like that in the shipyard for, for Jonah. But he, when he arrived, it just so happened it was going to Tarsus. I, I've got a green light. God must be gracious to me. And he sends that storm on the Mediterranean Sea. So, the first reason is simply known only to God. The second reason that people offer is a cultic reason. Many of these unclean beasts were offered in sacrifice to false gods. And there may be some truth to that. But, again, that isn't the point here. The point is, again, the Lord is just simply wanting them to discern. Thirdly, hygienic reasons. That's why people offer that the swine wasn't because of trigonosis. But again, why are, the, why are swine allowed now? Why were they allowed when Peter, once Peter was given that vision? Is it that they, they solved the problem of trichinosis or whatever it's called? No, I... There may be some reason. God knew if some of these beasts were, 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 were uh, poisonous or caused harm. And then the fourth reason is symbolic. 
There may be other reasons, but I'm giving those four reasons. They were, it was just symbolic. God was causing one, one set of, of beasts to be symbolically clean, the other symbolically unclean. He was just giving us visible lessons about discernment and, and, and decision-making, choices. You and I are faced with choices every day. Can I say that or not? Can I do that or not? Can I go there or not? We're always making choices. And every day they were making choices. Here comes a grasshopper. Go ahead, you can catch it. You can eat it. But there's a mouse. Get out of the way. Don't ever touch a mouse. We'll be unclean till the, e- till the evening. There's a beautiful eagle flying overhead. Oh, it, it's an unclean bird. Beautiful bird, but it's unclean. Sin sometimes looks very good. Looks pretty. Looks like we should admire it. They don't always paint sin ugly colors. Do they? As the, the, the woman of the street wears beautiful, colorful clothing, she doesn't come out there with dressing all black. So the Lord is teaching us choices, choices, choices. Chapter, back in chapter 10, put a difference between the clean and the unclean. And chapter 10, verse 11 says, for instance, uh, these laws would be teaching the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hand of Moses. So there's teaching lessons. Verse 44 of 11, I am the Lord your God. Sanctify yourselves. Be holy, for I am holy. Verse 47, to put a difference between the clean and the unclean. And so, these are object lessons. Symbolic of our choices in the moral realm. And are we concerned about doing right? Every decision in life that we're making for ourselves, for our children, for our church, are important. You and I can look back and say, that was a wrong decision on my part. I bit, I bit the hook. That was a, a, a temptation that, that, that looked good, it looked clean, it smelled good, but it bit me. I shouldn't have gone that direction. I was burned by that temptation. I was burned by that offer. I was burned by that picture. And so the first deals with earth all around us. And may I just suggest just simple thoughts. Why, for instance, would the Lord allow us to eat things that had parted hoofs and cloven feet? As Deuteronomy says, cleaving the cleft into two claws. Separation. They're, they're separated. The Lord wants us to be separate from the world. Leviticus 18, our memory verses from last year, was there two years ago? After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein ye dwelt, shall you not do? And after the doings of the land of Canaan, wherein I bring you, shall ye not do? But you shall walk in His judgments and His ordinances. And so... We learn, okay, 
We see tempers in the world. We shouldn't go that direction. We find, for instance, in the world, lost people lose their tempers all the time. And we say, that's not cleaving the cleft. That's not parting the hoof. We've got to be separate from the world. We see in the world where, where tempers flare. All kinds of levity using God's name in vain. And we say, don't go that way. We can't, we can't eat that flesh. We can't imitate that action. We can't imitate those words. When we hear people take God's name in vain, use profanity, we say, no, they're not cleaving the cleft. They're not separated. We need to be separated unto God, separated from the world. Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. We know the difference between the world's doctrine and the world's dress and the world's music and the world's... There's a difference. We all know there are gray areas, but there are white areas, there are black areas, and we need to discern And so the Lord was teaching. There's a sinful world. There's sinful words and sinful actions and sinful looks and sinful expressions that we need to avoid. Just like they were to avoid eating any animal that didn't have a cloven foot. I think there's a simple thought there. There's, scripture is much deeper, but I think that's certainly found and they were to chew the cud, swallow the food, and then bring it up and meditate on it. That's the idea. Chewing the cud, meditating. The Lord talked about someone who listens to the Word and He just goes right outside their ear. It leaves them. He sows the seed. The devil takes it away quickly. But the Bible teaches us not only to listen to God's Word, but to meditate on it. What does it say? Very first psalm. The blessed man meditates day and night in the law of the Lord. The devil wants you and me to let the Word go in and out quickly. Just like the carnivore, he just gouges, he just gorges on his food. He just eats it, swallows it. Doesn't, And it goes out in the draft, as it were. But the Lord wants us to be like the ox. Like the animals that ruminate, that gurgitate their food and meditate on it. Do you meditate on God's Word that you read this morning? Will you meditate on God's Word that we considered now? Are you letting God's Word sink down into your soul and then think about it? Talk about it? That's what it means to chew the cud. No, we're listening to the Word right now, but afterwards, it's a good thing at the dinner table to talk about the things we've heard. On the way home, to talk about the things, because the devil wants to take the seed from us, take the thoughts from us, <coughs> turn our attention to other things. That's why the Lord, you see the wisdom of God to give us the Lord's day? So we don't just take our fingers into our throats after we eat. We would never do that after a physical meal and then vomit it out again. The devil wants us to vomit out the word that we heard. Going to parties and going other places 
through in the day we forget about God. We do our own thing. Go golfing. Go doing something where we're not thinking about God. He says to keep the Sabbath holy. It's practical. It's not binding. It's practical. The Lord knows He wants us to chew the cud. The devil wants us not regurgitate it, but vomit it so we can't use it. And a simple thought about the water creatures, chapter 11, verse 9. I know this could be much more in depth. Chapter 11, verse 9. These shall ye eat of all that are in the waters, whatsoever hath fins and scales in the waters, in the seas, and in the rivers, them shall ye eat. And in all, in all that have not fins and scales in the seas and in the rivers, of all that move in the waters, and of any living thing which is in the waters, they shall be an abomination unto you. There's a simple thought. What are fins and scales used for? Fins. Move fast. Move along. Move on the move. Always on the move. Not just still. Move along. What does the Bible say? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible talks about us going on with God, moving forward toward heaven. Like a fish with fins that can move along fast in the waters. You and I can flee from the wrath to come. and Flee youthful lusts. We aren't hanging around, as it were, like, a, like a, an eel going into its cave and slithering in the mud. You can see how that was a good picture of uncleanness. Where the Christian hangs around and just lets the world you know, drench us with its wicked jokes and its wicked behavior. Be careful about the company you keep. The Bible says, avoid all appearance of evil. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That was a decision I had to make quickly. I was on the sixth floor of the dormitory as a freshman when I got saved. I knew what was going on from the end of August, September, October, middle of November. I had three months to know exactly what was going on. And I knew I have a, I, I, I got to swim upstream now. That salmon will never make it upstream without fins. I knew I can't do the same things anymore. I can't get inebriated anymore. I can't do the drugs anymore. I can't profane. I'm a holy person now. By the grace of God, I've been saved. It was a struggle in that dorm. I had another semester to live with two unsaved roommates. I had to be a witness, but I had to avoid things that they brought into the room. People they brought into the room. Smells and sounds. It was a struggle. I needed help. You see why we need each other. We need iron sharpening iron. What do I do? My friend's bringing in this filth. And i gotta, I got I to gotta live in that room. I have to sleep in that room. What do I do? Well, I had to use my fins. When it got toward the night, I had to get out and find some Christian friends, go somewhere to study where it was away from the 
the rock music and away from the wickedness that was going on. Scales. Scales. What are scales used for? Man, it's armor. You're going fast. You're, you're moving along for the Lord. You're growing in grace, but you're getting persecuted. You're getting hit back and forth. Enemies are after you. And so you've got to be strong in the Lord. You have to put on the whole armor of God and, be, and, 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 and stand against all the wiles of the devil. The world is trying to bombard us. Left and right, the scales are there to help us as we brush up against sharp things and as we, as we deal with enemies and the fish needs the fins to go forward and fast to flee. But when he has to hold his ground, he's got the scales. And you and I can't always just be fleeing everything. There's a point where you've got to stand against the wiles of the devil. Having done all to stand. To face the devil, the Bible says. And there are times we have to stand against those who persecute us and, and seek to be patient and long-suffering to answer their accusations. and Answer a fool according to his father, lest he be wise in his own conceit. I think these are simple lessons we can gather from why the Lord would make sure that they had fins and scales. We shouldn't be like eels hiding until something comes out. That's the devil, isn't it? The Bible says the devil is a roaring lion lurking, waiting until he captures somebody unawares. We have nothing to hide. We're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and we're heading to heaven. He's given us scales and we can, we can protect, be protected by the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. Any dead fish will float downstream, but it takes fins and scales like the proverbial fish going to its spawning ground. We need to contend for the faith, the Bible says. We need to use our scales. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You know what that word contend is in Jude? It's agonize. Agonize. When you think of, remember the, the Olympic song that would say, the agony of defeat. The, what was the first line? It was the, it was the um, what's that? The thrill of victory. But the agony of defeat. But you speak about someone that is, is contending and resisting. You and I are agonizing as we resist the sin in the world and the temptations of the devil. It's, it takes contending, fighting for the faith, fighting believers. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul said to Timothy. You think in chapter 11, verse 13, in the air, these are they which ye shall have an abomination among the fowls, among the birds. And he gives us examples of the clean and the unclean. And I think 
simply we can say that the non-predatory were the ones that were allowed to be eaten. We're not predators. We love souls. We want to see them saved. We're not threatening them by plowing airplanes into buildings and taking a sword to their throat and saying, believe or don't believe. We're pleading with souls. We're non-predatory. We're willing to, as it were, die to see them saved. We're standing between souls and hell. The Lord wants us to not seek what people have, but seek their souls, that they might know the Lord. And then even the, the locusts and the grasshoppers, the, lo, the legs were above. They didn't have many legs. And the ones that had many legs were the, were the insects and the mosquitoes. But these grasshoppers were able to leap and able to hop and able to jump to get away from trouble, as it were. Again, there's, there's the idea of moving along, able to resist sin, able to flee. They had escape mechanisms, as it were. You and I have escape mechanisms. We have God's Word. We have each other. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the angels that minister unto us. Even John the Baptist ate locusts. One of these days, maybe we should eat locusts instead of s'mores at at the fire and see what they taste like. Honey's a little bit better. But maybe it was the honey that made the locust taste a little bit better. Well, brother and sister, we can use these passages today, even though God has, has ended the dietary and the ceremonial laws. He's retired them, but there's uni- there are universal truths that remain. Be holy. Sins all around us. This chapter teaches us it's everywhere around us. Everywhere you go. We're in a fallen world. It's still God's world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But the God of this world has filled the air and filled the ground and filled things all around us to tempt us about sin. And you and I need discernment. First of all, what is sin? Any transgression of God's law and do I recognize it wherever I go? Will I recognize it with my ears, with my eyes, with my nose? Will I recognize it with my taste? Do you want to be holy? Or do you want to be just, just a little bit to the right of the world, but the world continues to the left? And if you want to just be a little bit right of the world, you're, just going, to, you're going left. You're not going right. Be holy. Discern between good and evil. Do you care whether you please God or not? Or do you want to please your flesh? You want to please the Lord. Verse 44 again, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves and be holy. And someone will say, Lord, you're just talking about beasts. What does this have to do with you're the Lord our God and you're holy and we should be holy? saying I've given you object lessons. I'm symbolizing 
the life of the believer in a fallen world. That we need to resist sin. We need to be holy, separated from the world, but yet in the world to be witnesses. The church seems to think that the more like the world we are, the more we'll win the world. What did Jesus say? Be salt and light in this world. The salt has lost its taste, its saltiness. It's no good. The world needs to see holiness and say, that's different. And to realize that heaven is a holy place. Ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing. Say, don't defile yourself in the world. Don't defile yourself with the world's doctrine and dress and music and everything of the world. If it smells of the world, if it looks like the world, if it sounds like the world, what's the answer? It is the world. If he looks like a heathen and acts like a heathen and talks like a heathen, what's the answer? He's lost. I don't care, like Cain, if you go to the the altar and bring your sacrifice. A person that goes into a church doesn't mean he's he's a Christian. What do we like? In our hearts, what do we like on Monday mornings? For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. We're reflecting a holy God. This is the law of the beasts, of the fowl, of every living creature that moveth in the waters and every creature that creepeth upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beasts that may be eaten the word beast is living creature that may not be. He's, he was teaching object lessons about morals, about spiritual truth. And you and I even can remember this as we go outside. Well, what do you see in the air? I see a, a bee. The bees were off, off limits. Grasshopper, sheep, coyote. It's interesting, just looking at these beasts out there can teach us, now what about sin? Now how do I apply my discernment in the moral realm? Is that right or wrong? Is that billboard something that's positive or negative? Is that doctrine scriptural or is it of the devil? God help us to know there is profit. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Even Leviticus chapter 11. Lord, thank You for Your Word and the variety of it. Thank You for the symbols even in the dietary laws. and So often, Lord, we bypass the reading of Leviticus. Forgive us, Lord. These are hard things and not easy to understand. We thank Thee for the Holy Spirit and for one another that we can encourage each other to see the prophet, the teaching, the warning. Oh Lord, we want to be holy. None of us can ever say we've arrived at holiness. Make us as holy as pardoned sinners can be. Is there some sin that we have not recognized that we are touching, we are 
imbibing in. Forgive us, Lord. Help us to part our ways with that sin. Are there people that are affecting us negatively and we are not affecting them? Lord, forgive us. Help us, Lord, if there are some friends, so to speak, that we need to part our ways with, whatever it might be, in order even to win them. May it be that we we choose righteousness. God, help us to have discernment, to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, to move along, O God, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in His name. Amen.